0: Eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So is Snickers right? Are you really not yourself when you're hungry?
1: Yes and no. So it's true that when you're hungry, for example, when you have low blood sugar, some people do become more irritable or are more likely to be aggressive. There's research on that.
0: That's Jen McCormick, a doctoral student in psychology and neuroscience here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Welcome to Well Said. Carolina's official storytelling podcast. This week, Jen's going to take us through some research she's done with her advisor, Kristen Lindquist, an associate professor of psychology and neuroscience in the College of Arts and Sciences. Kristen's lab focuses on how people perceive and experience emotions.
2: There's lots of ways in which, you know, stimuli in the world around us shape our feelings and we sort of misattribute those, the meaning of those feelings. You know, no research had really looked at the extent to which biological processes that are just sort of ongoing in your body are really shaping your your psychology. And that's an
1: important finding.
0: Their research suggested that hunger's a bit more complicated than those Snickers ads say.
1: Our studies show that it's definitely more complicated than a simple drop in blood sugar. So we actually looked at the psychology behind feeling hangry. In particular, the types of situations that people are in, the context they're in, as well as their self-awareness and how those might come together to help transform people feeling hungry into feeling hangry.
0: That's right. Hangry. It might sound like a word your mom made up, but it's a real thing.
1: So the Oxford Dictionary actually defines it as feeling irritable or bad-tempered when you're hungry. Traditionally in psychology, people just thought that hunger automatically made us feel more irritable or feel worse. You're in a situation where you are feeling hungry and boom, you are now this like wild, hungry animal who can't control yourself, right? Kind of like in Snickers commercials. And the idea here is that not only do we need to be hungry, obviously, to become hangry. But in our studies, we found that it isn't quite so automatic, that the situations we're in really matter, and also our self-awareness.
0: Jen and Kristen ran three different studies here at Carolina. The first couple focused on whether hunger automatically makes people more emotional, or if the situation they're in when they're hungry also plays a role.
1: For example, we had people who were hungry versus full They looked at a bunch of negative, positive, and neutral images, and each of these images was followed by a Chinese letter or pictograph. And of course, none of these participants were Chinese speakers or learners. They don't know the meaning of what those Chinese pictographs mean. And we tell them, hey, we're going to show you a bunch of emotional pictures. You should ignore them as much as you can and just focus on your gut feelings about what the pictographs mean. Do the pictographs mean something good or something bad? Then what we looked at was their ratings. So did they think that this pictograph actually meant something bad? We found that hungry people only rated images more negatively when they had seen the negative emotional pictures first, but not when they had seen the positive or the neutral pictures first. And so that suggests that Hunger really only seems to activate, it only really seems to bias people's perceptions of ambiguous stimuli, of things that are happening around them in a negative context. If you're looking at, you know, a cute kitty cat and you're hungry, that's not going to just automatically make you feel more irritable or, or angry.
2: So we did one first, actually, and then thought, you know, there's uh, some things that we would like to clarify, some additional hypotheses to rule out. And so we ran uh, two additional experiments to address those concerns.
0: In their next set of studies, Jen and Kristen had participants come into the lab.
1: And we had them fast for either five hours or more, or they ate a full meal right before coming in. And then we had them do a storytelling task where they either focused on emotional things, they wrote a story about emotions, or they just wrote about a neutral everyday experience. After that, we had them do a tedious task that we called a a visual rating task. And I actually programmed this tedious task to uh, look like the computer had crashed. So the blue screen of death from Windows PCs actually showed up. (laughs) They came out to the, find the experimenters like, oh, no, the computer crashed. And the experimenter then would blame the participant for the computer crash and tell them that if they wanted to, to get credit, they were going to have to do the whole task over again. And what we found from this is that hungry people in general, we didn't really find a main effect of hunger, right? So it's not just automatically being hungry makes you feel worse in this frustrating situation. It was the hungry people who did not write about emotional information beforehand. They hadn't been thinking about emotions and and how they were feeling. Those were the people who got hangry. So they actually reported feeling lots of emotions from the task, like stress and and hate was actually one of the emotions that people reported. Hangar is not inevitable, and that's what our research shows. You don't just
2: need to be hungry in order to experience anger. Um, You really need to experience the the sensations in your body that occur when you're feeling hungry and to sort of misattribute them to uh, emotional feelings. So, you know, you feel the sort of quickening of your heartbeat and you feel more unpleasant and You know, you can feel sort of more activated because cortisol is spiking. And instead of saying, oh, this is an indication that, you know, it's 1130 and it's getting to be time for lunch, you attribute those feelings to the current situation. And, you know, suddenly your boss is more of a jerk or, you know, your
1: spouse is um, being more combative or your child is misbehaving more or what have you. People who weren't paying attention to their emotions and they were hungry, they're the ones who exhibited these hangry-like behaviors and feelings, whereas the people who were hungry but had taken a moment to think about their feelings, they actually didn't look any different from people who were full, who went through the same frustrating task. People, when they're hangry, they almost forget that the hunger is biasing their perceptions of the world because we're so wrapped up in that terrible driver in front of us or the fact that you know our coworker just won't shut up about what they did on this weekend and so when people in our studies were, were made aware of their emotions, made aware of their feelings, those were the instances where they didn't become hangry. It was just people who were unaware.
0: If you find yourself stuck in traffic or having lunch with an annoying coworker and you're hangry, What can you do to stop it? The people at Snickers might suggest you eat one of their candy bars. But Jen and Kristen say it's a simple solution. Eat regularly and eat well.
1: I think that the type of food you eat is going to matter in part because of how long it will keep you satiated. So, for example, if you eat a Snickers bar, ironically, that's going to be short-term energy that probably will not last you as long. Whereas if you're eating almonds or something that has longer... Burning energy, then that is probably going to help you not become hangry as often, simply because you're you're not getting hungry as often.
2: Have a snack. Be aware of your internal sensations um, when you're getting hungry. But the other thing is to be aware of how you're making meaning of your feelings. So it's very different to have these negative feelings and see them as evidence that you know someone around you is unpleasant and, and a jerk and somebody's sort of adversarial. Or to be aware that you're sort of, you know, seeing the world through hunger-colored glasses, right? So self-awareness is key. People who whose attention was drawn to their emotional states were less likely to exhibit anger.
0: Even though eating something might be the obvious solution to curing your behavior, Jen and Kristen have other suggestions, too.
1: Some of our early studies show that if you can put yourself in maybe a more pleasant situation, so maybe you are stuck, in traffic on your way home from work. But if you're hungry, maybe put on your favorite podcast or listen to some really good music. Try to make the environment more positive, and that should help uh, reduce the chance that hunger will bias your perceptions. The other thing is just noticing. Again, that sounds really, really obvious, but just by noticing that, oh, wait, I'm feeling hungry, and that's making me feel this way. That's making me, you know, feel annoyed at this person in front of me in the car, that's an opportunity for us to then get back in the driver's seat, so to speak, and, and not become hangry.
0: Although those conclusions may seem obvious, this research looked at hanger in a totally new way.
1: So previously, researchers have looked at how hunger makes people more aggressive. They focus on behaviors. However, people have not in psychology or even in biology, really looked at the, the, the emotional, the psychological aspect of how hunger impacts these types of behaviors. Like, What is the mediator? What is the mechanism? And so, first of all, it's really cool that we see that, yeah, people's actual emotions are changed, are impacted by this, by feeling hungry. However, there's a nuance that our studies also show. So it's not just that hunger, like I said, is automatically making people hangry. It's that context matters and that your awareness in the moment matters. And so that adds a a more complicated picture, which opens up all sorts of new cool directions for future research. You know,
2: there's increasingly work on sort of the mind-body connection. Um, And in common sense terms, we sort of assume that The processes going on in our body really have nothing to do with the the contents of our mind. And we know from lots of research that that's just not the case. These findings suggest that actually maintaining your physical health is important for your mental health, for one.
0: Whatever that future research might be, Jen and Kristen will be focused on how people's bodies impact their moods and perceptions of the world around them, which is something that's pretty personal to these researchers.
1: I've actually had low blood sugar, for a lot of my life. And so hunger has always been something, being aware of my hunger, being aware of my low blood sugar and how that makes me act is kind of a personal interest as well. We joke that research is me-search. And so it it was just very fascinating to me that hunger could have such a palpable effect on people, but trying to understand what we can do, how we can think about the, the psychological components of that in understanding our, our emotions and in understanding our behaviors.
2: Sometimes it's also called the deficit theory of research. So, you know, you study what you're not good at.
1: I like to think I,
2: I'm actually okay at, at emotions. But, you know, I, I have always been fascinated by the, the sort of subjective quality of people's Lives um, and emotions play a big role in that. It's lofty to say that you know we're getting at the core of consciousness by studying emotion, because consciousness is you know sort of the final frontier of of brain and psychological science. But certainly, you know, we're scratching the surface of you know how does the brain create all of the sort of beautiful variability in our our mental lives.
0: And it'll definitely involve collaboration.
2: Collaboration is really key. Increasingly, especially in psychology and neuroscience, which is thought of as a a hub science um, that makes contact with all of these other areas, both in the humanities and in the sciences, no single faculty member knows everything about a topic or knows all of the methods that are necessary. In my lab, we use everything from, you know, computational linguistics on down to human brain imaging, and it's hard to be a, an expert at all of the, the depth that's required for all of those different methods. So I collaborate a lot with people across the university as well as across the world, really.
1: I'm consistently blown away by how amazing our faculty are and the, the friendship they have with each other. You don't always see that at other psych and neuroscience departments. The friendships I've made, the, the way that people talk about ideas, uh, there really is a collaborative spirit here. And that is precious and rare. It really is, because often in science, it can be competitive. People can feel very territorial. But the best way, in my opinion, to move forward with science is through that collaboration. And so I've been able to you know, walk down the hall and talk to another faculty member about my ideas that's helped me get a lot of mentorship and a lot of training experience that I wouldn't have gotten any other way.
0: Ever feeling hangry? Want to learn more about how to treat it? Check out a video at unc.live slash hanger. You can find Well Said wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you'll subscribe to the show and leave us a review and share your thoughts and story ideas with us on Twitter at UNC or shoot us an email at wellsaid@unc.edu thanks for listening to this episode of Well Said. See you next week.